At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. The guy's probably going to be the MVP of the American League or is the leading candidate. And last night we did a good job holding him down. And, you know, it's tough to hold this lineup down. And you don't see it happen very often. And, you know, they score a bunch of runs and, and he's the catalyst for that. I guess so, Derek Shelton. Aaron Judge went from the GOAT in Game 1 of the Pirates-Yankees series to the God he's been all year in Game 2. And the Pirates lose 16 to nothing to the New York Yankees. 180 degrees different from what we saw in night one to night two as the Pirates go down to defeat against the best team in baseball. The seventh time this year that the Pirates have lost by nine runs or more. Keep that in mind when you bet on the run line against the Pirates. When it goes bad, it can go really bad, and your money could be safe awfully early in your bet, and you can start planning ahead for the next one. Consider that money in your pocket because the Pirates take a really bad day and make it even worse sometimes and they did it last night by having Josh Van Meter pitch again yet another position player appearance on the mound for the Buckos we'll get into that in just a second I am Tim Benz this is the Pittsburgh CityCast lots of hockey and baseball talk to get to shortly got some updated odds for you on Wimbledon Novak Djokovic is at 360 minus 360 right now to win Wimbledon at 53.2% of the money and 27% of the tickets. The Open Championships, Scotty Scheffler right now has more money coming on him than anybody else, plus 1,200. His odds, 14.3% of the money. Rory McIlroy 
is at plus 900, the most narrow odds I'm seeing right now. He's getting 9% of the money. John Rahm at plus 1,000, getting 8% of the money. But back to baseball, I imagine you were feeling pretty comfortable if you had the Yankees on the run line last night, unless you had them at like minus 15 and a half. And if you did, I wouldn't blame you. Um, if you subscribe to the Pursuit of School of Thought, though, you'll like the Pirates opponent again tonight. The Reds, because the Pirates right now at the time of this taping are winning game one of a doubleheader. And we all know that if you take a team that lost game one of the doubleheader, you're likely to win game two of the doubleheaders. Been working for Mike and I all year long, especially with teams that are relatively closely matched, even if they're poorly matched, like two bad teams like the Buccos and Reds. Uh, this is the rule of thumb here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Go with the loser of Game 1 as the winner in Game 2. That's Reds and Pirates tonight. Same promise as betting on the Yankees yesterday, essentially, I think. I treated that as Game 2 of a doubleheader. Uh, we all knew that was essentially a doubleheader kind of game with the Yankees losing Game 1 and then winning Game 2. You had to be heavy on the Yanks. That felt like a little mini doubleheader just spread out over two nights. And the two games were 180 degrees opposite. A really solid 5-2 victory for the Pirates against the Yankees. Fun baseball, solid baseball, well-played baseball. They got Judge twice on a ground out for a double play and then on a strikeout in crucial situations in the 7th and ninth. But yesterday he's 3-4. Four. He hits a grand slam. Hicks hits a grand slam. Stanton homers off of a position player. And it's 16-0. Mitch Keller wasn't bad. I know it was bet against Mitch Keller Wednesday, but Keller doesn't, doesn't deserve as much blame as everybody else in the team. The manager, uh, the bullpen, uh, the hitters that couldn't get it done against Severino. Keller got through five. Okay, gave up two runs against the Yankees. No shame there. I don't blame Shelton for leaving him in the sixth. Obviously, he was bullpen conscious to the point that he was leaving Van Meter on the hill to die, almost literally in that game. Van Meter, as a position player, said he didn't feel comfortable on the mound, and I don't blame him. Throwing to Stanton, throwing to Hicks. I guess he avoided Judge, but that was in play theoretically if they didn't take Judge out of the lineup. Donaldson, I mean, all these guys, they're, they're monsters in there for New York. I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable either. So it's not a surprise that Keller was left in. He was pitching pretty well. I know he wavered in the eighth, but what were you going to do? Go to the bullpen earlier? Uh, at least he was able to get through the sixth inning after giving up the home runs, and then the Pirates just couldn't catch up from there. In fact, it got way, way worse, and the Yankees go on to win by two touchdowns. Manny Benuelos, Tyler Beatty, and, of course, Van Meter combining to yield 12 runs out of the bullpen. It was the seventh game as we pointed out earlier, the Pirates have lost by nine runs or more. I want to say four of those, maybe five of those, were double digits in terms of defeats for the Pirates on their own personal run line. Now, tonight, I'm not wild about the Yankees against the Red Sox, even though Garrett Cole is pitching and he's been pretty decent lately. 7-2 with a 2.99 ERA. Boy, he was in a great mood for those two days in Pittsburgh. I think he just enjoyed being back and didn't have to worry about pitching. He was as laid back and fun and smiley as I've ever seen him going back to his days here with the Pirates. Uh, he was like a different guy. And I know it hasn't been always like that in New York or in Houston. I, I just think he liked the notion of coming home and not having to do anything here with the Pirates. He was as friendly and laid back and engaging, like happy to talk to all of us. And I don't think he was always happy to talk to us in the Pittsburgh media. I uh, like the Dodgers tonight. Gonzalez, this is one of those where you just keep riding the streak until it bucks you. 10-0, and 
154 ERA. The Dodgers are at minus 250 against the Cubs. Gonzalez for Seattle, 4-9, but a 3.29 ERA. I don't even know at this point who's pitching for the Blue Jays. I kind of like the Mariners at plus 120. There's a good underdog to take. The White Sox are at minus 250 with Cease throwing. Go for the individual strikeouts there. Go for the under in the over-under against the Tigers. I really like the under eight there, and I like the White Sox to get a victory. There's one other game that really intrigued me. Oh, yeah. Tough over-under, but I get why it's low. Six and a half. Webb against Musgrove. Giants against the Padres. Musgrove, eight and two, 255 ERA. Webb is at seven and three and a 313 ERA for San Francisco. San Diego's at minus 140. That's not too expensive to bet on Joe Musgrove. Um, he hasn't been quite as dominant as he was earlier in the season, but I still go Padres on this one. Kind of pick and choose your parlay partners if you so desire. Uh, but there's a lot to get for the nightcap games this evening. Okay, when we come back, we talk some hockey here on the Pittsburgh CityCast. We get into the Chris Letang contract, the Marc-Andre Fleury rumors, and Adam Nightingale, who coached Logan Cooley. The NHL draft is tonight. That's coming up next year in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Back in the Pittsburgh City Cast, the NHL draft tonight. We'll talk to Adam Nightingale, coach of the U.S. National Development Team. He coached Logan Cooley in just a few moments. Cooley from West Mifflin will be the highest drafted Pittsburgh player in the history of the National Hockey League. It's just a matter of when his name is called in the top three. He doesn't get by Arizona. I wish I could give you lines to bet on for the draft, uh, individual slotting over-unders for players, uh, teams most likely to pick players, things like that. They don't have that at Bet Rivers for the hockey draft. I'm not necessarily surprised about that, but I don't think Cooley goes any lower than number three, maybe number one overall to Montreal. The big news in Pittsburgh, 60 years, $36 million for Chris Letang. Um, I don't really worry too much about the back end of the deal. I know people are worried about the sixth year, the fifth year, maybe even the fourth year of the contract. Yeah, so am I. But I kind of think this is one of those deals where it's built for the first three years. Uh, it's light on the cash on the back end, so teams don't have to worry about the actual cash payout for Latang. If Sidney Crosby goes, if he retires, if he goes to another team and you're completely rebuilding by that point, well, so what? Uh, you can move Latang then. That's a movable contract at that point. Imagine what top four offensive defensemen like Latang will be going for in three years from now. It's going to be a heck of a lot more than $6.1 million. Um, they are responsible for him. If he has some sort of cataclysmic injury, if he has more health problems like he's had in the past, then yes, that will be an albatross kind of contract. But my concerns more are about the mentality of the team than the deal that was signed. The deal that was signed uh, makes as much sense as it could. I just don't like it for this year or next year or before Crosby's contract is up at the end of three years because I just think we're going to see more of the same. It's going to be three more years where Latang gives you a lot of points, gives you a lot of minutes, gives you a lot of offensive acumen, but also gives you too many turnovers and also isn't great in front of the net and also makes bad decisions in some crucial situations. Now, the 
good outweighs the bad for Chris Letang. I'm not a Letang basher. I never have been. But I'm also not one of these that gets polarized in talking about him. I know where his faults are, and his faults have also been a part of the big analysis as to why the Penguins haven't gotten beyond the first round in each of the last four playoffs and have lost five consecutive playoff series. And the same sort of argument can be applied for Malkin, but I'm pretty sure that the thinking was if we get Latang at this number, it makes it easier to get Malkin as well. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I want to talk about the Marc-Andre Fleury rumors too. Uh, it was again reported today that Marc-Andre Fleury isn't out of the mix. I think it was LeBron who had that for Pittsburgh, even though they signed Casey to Smith. That has to be an indication that they're thinking about moving Tristan Jari. I wonder if Colorado was a potential target that is now off the board, though, because they got Gregoriev. I think that's a really good signing by the Avs. They're still the favorites at plus 425 to win the Cup next year. The Pens actually at plus 2,500. That's down from plus 2,200 in recent days. I don't know if the Latang signing was viewed as a negative or what. I kind of thought that might go the other way if they decided to keep everybody together. But I've long been of the school of thought that for the first time in a long time, you have cap room, so do something with it and do something different than bringing back the same group of players that can't seem to get beyond the first round of the playoffs. And if they're even considering bringing Marc-Andre Fleury on board, that then is an indication to me that they've been blowing smoke nonstop about Tristan Jari and their belief in him to be able to get that job done. All right, uh, let's get to Adam Nightingale right now, Michigan State Spartans head coach. He is also the former U.S. National Development Team coach who was on the bench for Logan Cooley for two years on the under-18 squad. We just talked about him, the five foot ten, 175-pound center who emulates Patrick Kane, has a game very similar to Patrick Kane's, and that's part of the reason why he's probably going in the top three. Let's hear from Nightingale as to what has made uh, Logan Cooley such a very good player and uh, likely the best player in the history of Western Pennsylvania to be drafted. Adam, thanks a lot for taking some time to join us. Appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, Tim. So Logan Cooley, let's talk about him and how good he can be. What was it like coaching him for two years? And uh, is this does this feel right to you, the talk of him maybe going somewhere in the top three of the NHL draft? Yeah, no, I think, uh, first off, feel super fortunate to have a chance to coach him. Just a really good person, first and foremost. You know, it was a guy that uh, came to the rink every day, um, wanted to be coached. Um, he's really competitive. Um, you know, he doesn't, it's not about him, you know, he's got a low ego, um, and just a team guy. So I think when you have a combination of that, um, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's, that he's ranked that high in the draft and, um, whoever gets him is going to get a, a really good hockey player. How would you describe him as a player for those that haven't seen him skate yet competitively? What was he like to coach in terms of his, um, talent overall? Yeah, I mean, he's just—he's got a lot of a lot of different uh, uh, elements to his game. He's a really gifted skater. Um, he's very very cerebral, very smart player that makes guys around him better and um, sees the ice really well. And and you know he's ultra competitive. You know, and when you combine those three things together, um, and and doing them at a world class level like like Logan does, um, and being a team guy, you know, again, I think that's how you end up being a considered one of the top prospects in the draft. You know, from what I've read about him, for as much as people want to make the Sidney Crosby connection because of the, you know, little Penguins 
development program that he went through as a kid and obviously the Pittsburgh ties. Uh, I understand he kind of likes to emulate Patrick Kane. He's he's listed at five foot ten. That's roughly Kane's size. Um, you know, people like Johnny Gaudreau, Jack Hughes. I've, I've heard those names referenced for how he plays. Is does that seem about right to you? Yeah, I think those are all good comparables. You know, and um, you know, I think the thing that Logan does too is, you know, I think it's important for any young player is there's comparables, but also being the best version of yourself. You know, and I think. Logan does a lot of the things of, uh, that you mentioned that the other guys and do, and he also does things, you know, the, that maybe they don't. And, you know, I think, again, I go back to his, um, just his ability to make the players around him better. It seemed like no matter who um, went on his line, seemed to always play well, you know, and I, I always feel like that's a, one of the best compliments you can get as a player is you make the guys around you, you better. And um, yeah, I think those are great ones. And, um, I definitely think he's going to carve out uh, a name for himself as well. To that point, I know aren't both of his line mates also projected to go somewhere in the uh, first round from the development team as well? Yeah, they are. You know, we moved lines a fair amount, you know, and that's again where I give Logan credit um, and all the guys. Like, um, you know, I think it's important at that age to uh, to try guys in different spots and, and move them around, and certainly. Logan was a guy um, you could you could make it about him and just try to always make sure that his line's taken care of. And there was times where um, he played with a variety of different guys, and that was a testament to the depth in our team. But yeah, when he finished the year, you know, he had uh, Cutter Gauthier on his on his left wing and Jimmy Snuggerud on his right. And um, you know, I talked to multiple NHL teams that felt like that was the best line um, in junior hockey, and and hard to argue with that. If I could divert for a second, can you talk a little bit about Snuggerud? Because that's a, game, a name I've heard at least once floated out as a potential Penguin draft choice. Yeah, he's uh, Jimmy's. You know, again, another guy that's a real competitive player. He's very uh, smart. He's got a really good stick and shoot the puck a ton. And you know, his progression in two years, I you know, I really feel like he was probably our most improved player in the two years that we had the group. And um, you know, his dad was a coach. I think he was and willing to be coached and, and put the time in um, and, and evolve his game to now uh, be in the first-round draft pick. Yeah, his dad played for the Sabres, I think a couple other teams too. Um, do you see that not only in him but also in Logan too because they do come from hockey families, that ability to think the, the game, does that allow them to maybe have a leg up in their development so far since it's kind of, well, it's literally been in their DNA ever since they grew up? No, yeah, you can see that for sure. And these guys that have been around the game, and you know, I thought overall our whole team had a, a, a bunch of rink rats, you know, that really liked being at the rink and grew up kind of in the rink. And but certainly with those two and the, their hockey background and their family um, being around it, and I also think having families that value um, the right things, you know, value that it's about the team, um, value that it's about hard work, um, value value that it's about. Um, not, not not the outcome, but uh, just kind of the whole process. And I, you know, I think you saw it with those two that uh, they just committed to getting better every day. And now we're here, you know, a couple of days away from the draft and, and definitely an exciting time for them and their families. Adam Nightingale, head coach of the Michigan State Spartans. He was the coach for Logan Cooley the past two years for the U.S. National Development Team. I was speaking recently with uh, Dan Mays, who's the U18 prep team coach for uh, the Penn's Elite Program, and we were talking about Cooley a little bit, and he's running the Goat League here in Pittsburgh, uh, up in Cranberry at the Penguins Practice Facility, which is akin to the Beauty League in Minnesota, the summer skating league that goes on there. And 
Cooley's skating around with Vince Trocheck and JT Miller. And, you know, one thing that Dan said to me was even with guys of that repute, he doesn't look out of place when he's skating with them and some of the other pros that they've got on the ice this summer. Does that sound like something that you would expect that he could jump right in and keep up with those guys despite being, what, just 18 years old? Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me at all. You know, I think, um, again, when you, when you got the skill set he has and, and he's got a, he's got a quiet confidence to him where he's not going to uh, take a back seat. He's going to go out there and play. And I think for me, you know, I, I had taken the job with the national team and I was just in the NHL for four years. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy how talented these young kids are, you know, and they're not that far off. And now you add two more years of development onto them. And um, that doesn't surprise me one bit. What are you hearing? What do you think? Where, where's he going to go? Is top three sound likely to you? Could he go as high as one or two? Yeah, oh, no, I think I think that's for sure where he's at. You know, when you look at um, in, in talking and uh, talking to teams and, um, you know, and, and just kind of knowing the pool a little bit, you know, for me, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time believing there's, there's, there's a guy better than him in the draft, you know. And so, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for Logan, and I think he's grounded too, is – Yes, it's nice to be. It may be great to go one, um, but you know wherever he, wherever he ends up going, um, just going to a good spot. That's that's um, where he's around some good vets that can teach him how to be a pro and a good organization. And all those teams that are in those three spots have that. Be it from a scouting perspective for college or with the U.S. national development team, is Pittsburgh becoming more and more of a hotter market to find talent these days? No doubt, no doubt. They're doing a heck of a job. You know, I think they're the Penn's elite program and the coaches they have in that area. They've got a number of, um, you know, retired pros in the area. And then you know, I think any time you have the success they had, you know, as a team they're still having, um, that, that excitement about the game is there. You know, once so you see a lot, of, a lot of kids, you have young hockey players that are really talented, uh, coming out of Pittsburgh, and I think it's a testament to the success of the Penguins and also the, the coaches at the volunteer level and, and um, at the youth level there that are doing a really good job. I know it depends on who takes him, but to sort of wrap up here, Adam, um, do you see him going right to the NHL? Or I think he's committed to Minnesota, right? Yep, yep. No, he's committed to Minnesota. And, you know, I think um, that'll be a discussion with the team that, that drafts him. You know, I certainly – um, he's going to a great spot at Minnesota with a great coaching staff. And, um, you know, but I think he's in a win-win situation. And I think it's just going to the right team that says, hey, what's best for Logan right now in his development? And um, either way, um, I think he's in a really good spot. How are you going to defend him at Michigan State? Uh, <laughs> we'll end up in the penalty box a lot, if I was honest with you, the answer. We'd have to do defend him. But, yeah, there's, he's, a, he's a very – tough player to defend and that's that's uh you know i'm excited about there's a number of guys you know that i've said are going on to college we got the chance to coach and excited to coach against them but definitely know that uh, we'll have our hands full hey adam thanks a lot for doing this i really do appreciate it um we're watching with keen interest here in pittsburgh not only what's going on with the pens going into the draft but certainly for this storyline as well I, i think it's great and it's a Great subplot for everybody in Pittsburgh to track to see how high he goes. And uh, I'm sure you'll have a little pride watching it whenever his name is announced as well. Congratulations on being part of his development. And thank you for joining us today. Awesome. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. All right, so my thanks to Adam Nightingale. He joined me on the Mark Madden Show on 105.9 The X. You'll hear from Mark Madden on Monday. We'll talk at length about the decision that's made with Chris Letang. We'll wrap up the draft with him. 
and look ahead to what will be a very busy week coming up in terms of trades and free agency for the Penguins. Also on the horizon for you tomorrow, uh, we'll recap round one of the draft, tell you what else the Penguins did. That's all coming your way. And we kick around a 10-game road trip for the Pirates to conclude the first half of the season for the All-Star break. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast.